Hello and welcome back to episode 19 of Recently Rated. I'm Flo. I'm Rob. And I'm Nathan. This week we watched a film that we chose from the Wheel of Films that we have created. It's a pretty sizable list that we made in lockdown of movies that we want to watch for um, different reasons. And uh, fate decides essentially, you know, you Mm -hmm. hit the button and this week Picnic at Hanging Rock directed by Peter Weir, I think 1975, came out, and it was quite something. (laughs) Definitely interesting. Does somebody want to share their immediate thoughts? (laughs) So essentially, it is about uh, like a British boarding school on Valentine's Day in 1900s in uh, the state of Victoria in Australia. And all the girls that live there, they go on a picnic one day to Hanging Rock, which is this mountain peak somewhere in the middle of the desert. And they all go there to have a picnic. And soon four girls go out into the woods, into the mountain range and just kind of get lost. And it becomes this very uh, ethereal and like atmospheric scene where these girls just disappear. And then the rest of the movie is people trying to figure out what happened to the girls while no answers at all ever come about i think they're able to find one girl randomly right after uh they go searching for them but no one else is found Mm -hmm. yeah i mean as you said and i think i made this joke during uh while we were watching it rob and me i i said uh, so much for um movies that are sustained by mood only do not work because I, I thought it was essentially that you know it was so moody and every time they go they go to to the rock you have that strange music and those strange zoom in shots on just rocks right but mm. i i actually thought you know that worked quite well and i thought it was kind of amazing how the rock was the the villain i guess or or um you know this this alien thing and you didn't quite know what was going on exactly but i i thought you know very minimal um effort for creating this mysterious presence i guess it was it was essentially just music and a couple of shots of of a mountain he said the rock is the villain immediately i thought of dwayne the rock johnson yeah, right, in this right. movie <laughs> <as> the villain <laughs> yes dwayne the rock johnson is the villain of this film yeah who would have known right yeah. doesn't doesn't seem like it would fit but it works early no. acting career he wasn't as buff yeah 5 years old yeah. <laughs> i mean i was quite drawn into it in the beginning when when the girls disappear because i as I just told the guys before, I was really rooting for an ape man to <laughs> appear at some point and that being the rational explanation for the disappearances. And uh, the ape man did not show up, so it no. left me a bit unfulfilled in the end because it was, yeah, it, it was a more metaphorical um, resolution. And I don't know, I don't know if it's. Uh, because we've been working lately or because the stupid lockdown's happening again now but uh, i find at the moment i struggle a bit with uh metaphorical resolutions because i have to go the extra mile and think and go out of my way and mm-hmm. think a bit and um 
I guess sometimes I have to admit I'm I might be a bit lazy. Yeah, but actually, I mean, talking to Rob is always good because he's very, yeah, he has a lot of insight on like <laughs> metaphorical Sim- stuff. He's symbolically savvy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He's symbolically savvy, and he said, in the end, he just said, um, it's. Well, I to be fair, this, I didn't think a lot about it. I just said this was like a thought, I guess. Yeah, but I guess you're you're good at you coming up with a sentence or a catchphrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think in this case, it was what what really made me think and kind of see the deeper implications of it, it was to a certain extent about women who feel left behind or the women, yeah, that are left behind because. I guess you could say it is, yeah, about how these women deal with the loss of dear friends and what that loss and grief and sense of abandonment, loneliness, I don't know, um, what it does to them. Yeah, and in like a romantic sense of like yeah. women that get pulled in, you know, so it's like this place, right, where, and this is what Flo and I were talking about before this, where there's women that are, the whole thing, right, is trying to be, as he kind of put it, prim and proper, and then to, you know, be trained to be like, whatever, proper women, you know, whatever. And, and at, on Valentine's Day, where they're all talking about St. Valentine and they go off to this place, then sort of the most, she even says it, right? Like that one of the girls is an angel. It's like the most angelic, proper, womanly, whatever women. They kind of get pulled away by this mysterious force of nature into this, you know, phallic mountain. And then they're gone. And actually one of them, who's like less of a typical I guess, you know, a typically, uh, attractive. Yeah. Less of like a classically attractive. attractive. (laughs) Um, uh, but that's kind of what she represents in the film. That's definitely how they treat her. Um, she kind of gets left behind and she can't even, it seems like in a weird way when they're going into the mountain and disappearing, she doesn't, it's like, she doesn't even think about walking forward. She can't go with them and she just screams and like runs away. And then all of those other girls are left behind and even at one point at the end, when they go off on the trip again uh, on Valentine's Day, the uh, the older women, one of whom is a widow, I believe, and the other, um, I don't think we know, um, they just stay back, right, and talk about their husbands that they used to have and all this, while all of the young girls are off on Valentine's Day, you know, I guess, having their opportunity as such. Um, so yeah, I felt like there was some stuff like that, I guess, going on, maybe. That was my first thought. But... I couldn't read a lot more into it, to be honest. <laughs> I guess that's that's the point, you know. It's like maybe that's what's going exactly. on, but you just you yeah. just don't know because it's. Eh. And then the one girl, I, I guess, at the end who uh, commits suicide um, yeah. because she was being sent off to the place to an orphanage. Maybe there's something with her too, I guess, of like. Because she was the one that was writing those poems about Saint Valentine that seemed and that wasn't allowed to go off with them. I don't know. There, there. I guess there are hints that maybe that's the right interpretation. Just because, I guess it's this weird sense when she like dies when she doesn't, she can't get a chance, and she's sort of longing for this thing, and then gets completely taken out of it, and then she dies. But then also, the strange thing is that when the women right, they get pulled off into this thing there's a sense in which they die as well, right? So it's like they die to, I mean, if you were interpreting it in that way, right, they die to their, yeah, to the other women when they, it's like going off and maybe getting married and becoming proper women, quote unquote, mm. uh, sort of a sort of death, right? And, but uh, see, I, I was know, confused I guess... by that ending because they say at the end that the woman, 
named Apple Tree, like Miss Apple Tree had died, but that's the woman who is the lead of the house, not yeah. the girl who was going away to the orphanage. But it mm-hmm. looked like the girl was going away to the orphanage, but then they named her as if she was either the school mistress or that one old lady that got lost in the mountains uh, with yeah. the younger girls. So I was just very confused by how they, you know, delivered that whole thing. Especially when the woman turns yeah. around in her chair and she's wearing black. I'm like, okay, is she like death right now? What's going on? Exactly. Yeah, that was such a weird moment. I talked to Flo about that because I was asking him if he knew what was up. Because it felt like almost she was dressed for the funeral of the girl that just died. Mm-hmm. Um, as if she knew it happened or was yeah, involved yeah. in it somehow. Which she was in a way. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, yeah, a lot of it, honestly, I don't get it. I just, at the end, I thought... I'm going to try to have some thoughts <laughs> on yeah. it. And that was the best I could come up with, but I don't know. But that's the difficulty with these types of movies is that all, they are all just, you know, I feel like none of us can be wrong, essentially, unless we yeah. say something outlandish. But the whole point of this film is there's kind of no plot and no resolution, yeah. and it's all just left up to symbolism and interpretation. You know, yeah. for me, I had feelings of like, um, you know, you can say something about, the two girls at the beginning, the one that's supposed to be very angelic and the one at the end, I guess, that was going off to the orphanage. I thought they were having a relationship together because of her saying, you're going to have to find somebody else to love. But then the angel girl also foreshadows that she's going to die in the future because she's talking about how, Mm -hmm. you know, she's going away and all this stuff. And it's all just very Mm -hmm. up in the air. But one, I guess, interpretation that I found that I thought was interesting colonization of britain in australia so having like the house be this very ordered structure of like this you know new culture this new age you know even their little pruned garden next to the the yellow desert that is australia you know and then having hanging rock be this like just random chaos that these girls are attracted to you know like the actual indigenous culture of australia and i thought that was a very interesting i guess like one side versus the other you know same thing with the boys you have the one boy who's this very proper little british guy in this victorian dress and then you have the local guy who you barely understand a single word he says but you know the british guy slowly steps away from his i guess his class and his culture you know by taking his top hat off and getting lost in the mountains as well but it's just this thing that i feel like if i hadn't looked it up I probably wouldn't have picked up on it or I would have would have had to have seen the film like two or three times and I would have picked up on it, which I'm mm-hmm. not going to do at all. <laughs> but it's the same yeah. thing with, uh, you know, you guys know, I recently saw Once Upon a Time in Anatolia, which is a Turkish film. And uh, the way our friend Ali talks about it, who is Turkish, he considers it a, you know, beautiful, fantastic film, like almost a 10 out of 10. But he also understands the cultural background behind it and what the directors are trying to do and how the culture of Turkey has influenced the decisions and the scenes and stuff like that. But I feel like if you're not, for me at least, right, because this is not my type of film, if you're not a person who works at the BFI and solely studies movies or someone who has a background in Turkish culture, I'm not going to pick up on all the nuances in that film. Same thing with here. I'm not going to pick up on all the nuances that is this movie that is very typically australian and that was kind of a difficulty for me Mm -hmm. yeah yeah man it's yeah i didn't even think about looking at it through a colonialist lens Mm. but that yeah makes makes sense i guess you would you would definitely find stuff Mm -hmm. there Mm. yeah 
And it was interesting too what they did with the, the girl that comes back. In the beginning of the film, you have a shot of the girls, right? Literally with their, their rigidness, the way their culture is, they're literally putting the corset on each other and, you know, squeezing the corset yeah. onto their bodies. Okay, and that's yeah. kind of, I guess, shows, right? The structure that they live within. And then that one girl, when they find her in a mountain and she comes back, they make note of pointing out the maid saying, oh, you know, it's so strange. She was without a corset, like she didn't have it on anymore. So that kind of got like lost in the mountains you know and then when she yeah. goes to say goodbye to her friends at the end of the movie where she's wearing that red dress she's no longer i guess in those childish clothing you know like she's the in this red dress she actually looks like an adult woman mm -hmm. and she's completely distinct from these younger girls that now live in that building like she's no longer in the same age level or knowledge level as them so i thought they did interesting stuff um yeah but yeah but Ultimately, I will say Rob knows this, but I had to speed up the film uh, times 1.25 because I was just having a really rough time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Turning to this has been interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Same. No, yeah. I, I was just wondering because there's a corset thing and then Flo and I talked about this afterwards, but who was the person slash who were the people that... um were like just in their undergarments uh, when they're off in like the forest mountains or something that they were reported as just being in like their underwear or something like that no? oh yeah that the, that was another thing though they had some also just very typical 70s uncomfortable moments in that film when the french woman goes oh, les pantalons les pantalons and he's like oh yeah. she didn't have any undergarments like that was yeah. ridiculous <laughs> yeah yeah i feel like there's a lot of that with the corset and with the stuff like that of like yeah also that was both yeah. pointing toward like womanhood but also toward sexuality and whatever yeah. yeah when the british boy gets lost in the mountains too and he's kind of like you know entranced in yes. that one crevice he starts slithering on the floor like a lizard like he can't yeah. stand up on his two feet so he just yeah. looks like he's like you know he's pretending like he's made out of gelatin like he can't stand yeah. up i'm like what is happening in this movie yeah. which is like the same thing as the the other girl um who who got left who like couldn't go with them where it seems like people that aren't like ready quote-unquote i guess just get super like tired and faint and can't like even move oh, once they get yeah, too close yeah, to this place right. yeah it's weird dude Very i strange. was so hoping for an ape man <laughs> i you know i was like this is gonna happen he's gonna you know there's gonna be a, a jump scare where you just see his face up close and it's like Burr. you see the, the yeah. monkey man <laughs> The monkey man uh, Sasquatch Bigfoot steps from behind yeah. one of the mountains and he's like, oh, yeah. Man. Nah. Yeah. Also, it, it's... This movie is kind of just Midsommar in Australia with yeah. the speed and feeling of Mulholland Drive. Yeah. So <laughs> it's very unique yeah. in its own regard. Yeah. Speaking and of... Um, Oligarch. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Midsommar, Rob showed me the trailer to a German horror film called Goodnight good Mommy. Yeah, Goodnight Mommy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a Which sehr gut. feels very, very Midsommar-esque. And, you know, it's just... Look, is it an indie horror? Yeah. Yeah, and, it, you know, it's just like nice cinematography and, uh, you know, no stupid jump scares. Looks pretty Kinda, tense, though. Yeah, it looks pretty tense. Yeah. It looks very tense. Yeah. But, um, I always wanted to watch it. it. Yeah. No! 
Okay, we'll wait. <laughs> um, Shall we just we... rate it? Yeah. Let's just do it. All right, boys. I I gave it a seven. Yeah. Because all in all, I you know, I re- really I I I really wanted to give it props for how I don't know how it made the mountain scary without you know without having an ape man <laughs> or anything you know. Yeah, just yeah. music and some funny funny framing and camera movement i thought that was cool you know yeah less is more so seven for me yeah seven for me too it is not my type of movie so i'm gonna give it a five yeah <laughs> nice yeah and for an average of six yeah average four. Of six for picnic at hanging rock Yes, yes. Yeah. It's time, boys. Let me sh- share my screen. All right, Nathan's about to spin the wheel. We all don't want to watch Gummo. Oh. So let's pray to the gods what? of film. Ikiru. That's interesting. So. <laughs> what is that? Tell Here. Me more. Well, it's on the IMDb top rated list at 108. Mm-hmm. And it's Akira Kurosawa. And the description is, a bureaucrat tries to find a meaning in his life after he discovers he has terminal cancer. Nice. And of course, Nacho has already seen it. Yeah. I am happy with this. I can do this. Yeah. Yeah, that looks cool. I like Kurosawa. All right. Then for next week, we will be watching Ikiru 1952 by Akira Kurosawa. Right, so um, you know what it is. Next week, tune in for some nice discussion on Akira Kurosawa. And until then, stay safe, watch some cool movies, and catch you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See ya.